If we will be God's sling, if we will be the tool of God, then we need to yield ourselves empty to the Lord so that He can fill us on a constant basis. Let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to go to verse 49 and 50. Verse 49 and 50, and we're going to read all together. They never said we can't read all together. (laughs) All right, so verse 49 and 50, and let's all read. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Amen. You may all be seated. Everybody loves a story of an underdog. I'd like to tell you a story of an NBA team. In 2011, something amazing had taken place. I can see all the NBA fans going, huh? (laughs) The longtime rookie termed veteran basketball player, LeBron James, right? LeBron James, he got traded over from Cleveland Cavaliers to uh, the Miami Heat. Now, the Miami Heat, they already had a really good point guard named Dwayne Wade, and they had another power forward named Chris Bosh. Now, those who aren't into basketball, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But let me tell you this. The media called them the big three, okay? So that was, uh, that was in 2011. Now there's a lot of big threes. But uh, the media called them the big three. And the thing about it is uh, LeBron James, when he traded over, the thing he had in mind is this time we're going uh, to win the finals. We're going to win the NBA playoffs. And so a lot of people had a lot of money riding on this team. A lot of people knew and thought, Well, for sure, they're going to win this NBA Finals. And the team that made it to the Finals to compete against the Miami Heat, they weren't really that special, at least everyone thought. And surely, you know, as time went on, they started noticing there was this German basketball player on the other team that was meant to make it to the Finals named Dirk Nowitzki. And that was the year that he, was, uh, he had announced that he was also going to retire. So usually a player, when they're closing in to re- towards retirement, that means that they don't have much of a fight left in them. That's usually what they think. But at the finals, what ended up happening was that Dal- the Dallas Mavericks, which Dirk Nowitzki was part of, stole is how people put it. He stole the NBA 2011 championships. No one saw that coming. And sure enough, 
what Dirk Nowitzki ended up becoming was the key tool in the championships. At that point, he became the key tool to taking down a multi-million dollar Miami Heat team. No one saw it coming. Miami Heat should have had it in the bag. Now, similarly, in our story, if you know the story, it's the story of David and Goliath. And what we just shot, uh, saw there was the winning shot, right? The clutch, the winner. And the Philistine army had a big man named Big G, or the Goliath. But for every Goliath, God promises to give you a sling. Now, God had placed David, our man David, as the main man or the key man in the story, in the Israelite army. And oftentimes when the David and Goliath story is talked about, the focus is always placed on David. But today, I want to change things up a bit, and I want to talk about his tool instead. I want to focus on David's sling. What is a sling? You have a picture? That's a sling. We often say it's a slingshot, but slingshot is not quite accurate. It's more of a sling. And a sling, as you may notice, does not have an elastic band. You notice it's all made of rope, mostly. Okay? Now, it's interesting that David used a sling instead of a sword or a spear to take down Goliath, as most of the soldiers would have. There are three aspects that I want to take a look at that brought this special victory to David. Perhaps we can make use of these three, three aspects about this sling in our lives when it comes to taking down a giant and gaining victory. Now, if you're a note taker, I call it the steps, okay? So before we get into this whole message, I'm gonna just open up in a word of prayer and then we'll continue. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for everyone here. Thank you for bringing them here safely and even just allowing us to gather in. It's, it's something that perhaps we took for granted two years ago when everything was going well. But Lord, now that we're here, we are grateful. And we pray, Lord, that uh, as this message goes out, that you would speak through me and that you would speak to the hearts of your people here and also those watching over the internet. Give them that special blessing and help us to see victories in our life, to see victories against our giants that, you, that uh, you've allowed in our lives. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you for all these things, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, number one, I said it's the steps, so it's the sling's target. The sling's target. What do I mean by the sling's target? This one aspect about the sling is that it had a proper target. The sling had a proper target. You see, we wouldn't want to aim our sling at the wrong target. If you have the wrong target, you may end up committing friendly fire. Okay? And so we need to make sure that our direction is towards the right target. Now, most people would think, oh, well, we have to be directed towards God. But you're a sling, you're a weapon, you're a tool. The problem here is that too often we make the mistake of thinking the target is another person. 
This is wrong. Our target needs to be the devil. The devil. Our purposes, for our purposes today in this story, we're going to have Goliath standing in as the champion for Satan. Okay? It is Satan who is so powerful and also so very nasty in the Christian's life. Not only the Christian's life, actually, in the whole world's life. He is the one that all our energy needs to be directed towards, not our fellow people. Oftentimes, we think that our enemies are people in the flesh, but it's not. Your fellow man is your fellow neighbor. He is just like you. He himself doesn't stand a chance against the devil, which is why your target, your targeting system needs to be targeted towards Satan. Let's all turn to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12. Ephesians 6 and verse 12, it gives us a gist of what the spiritual battle is actually like. Ephesians 6 and verse 12 Paul summarizes it nicely. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, the devil is a powerful foe. And Goliath in our story stands as Satan's champion. If I could try and illustrate what was happening here, Goliath... Of all the people, you have to realize he was a special type of character. He wasn't a normal soldier. Most normal soldiers receive normal, normal types of equipment for their military work. Goliath had everything custom made for him. Therefore, the Philistines put good amount of money into his military training. They put a good amount of money into his equipment. All right? Just to give you an idea, Goliath stood at nine foot nine. An NBA basketball hoop is at 10 feet, right? Even if I reach as high as I can, I can barely touch a rim, okay? <laughs> but even if I jumped, I'd at least fall about four inches short of an NBA basketball hoop, okay? That's how tall this guy was. He could probably jump or hop and kiss the rim if he wanted to, okay? That's how tall this guy was. And not only that, the Bible goes on to describe the weight of just the tip of this guy's spear, okay? The tip of this guy's spear, which was the head of the spear, it describes it to be seven kilograms, okay? Seven kilos or 15 and a half pounds. Imagine just the spearhead, okay, being 15 and a half pounds, Imagine being a soldier receiving one of those. I wouldn't want to be there. But it also goes on to say that Goliath's armor was at 58 kilos. This is just the armor. 58 kilograms or 128 pounds. Just to give you a comparison, that's about 20 kilos more than me or less than me. Okay? Being a military man, Goliath had to have that ideal weight, so he must have been buff or ripped, as they would say. And he must have been a man that had done a lot of training. 
They say the average person that's about six foot tall weighs about 194 pounds. If you take that ratio and you keep adding every, uh, every inch, the person would gain two kilos. And so as you do the math and all, nine foot nine, what do we get to? 297 kilos, that's about 655 pounds. So that's 655 pounds and when you're holding a spear, what ends up happening is you don't want to get behind that spear. And you can now imagine why the Israelites, when they saw a guy like this, you know, you don't want to go up against something like this. Because it's almost as hard as getting hit by a car. Not only do you have to, you don't even have to get pierced. Okay, your breastplate as a soldier, you don't even have to get pierced. Just the stopping power itself would just launch you and you will have a bad day. You'll just really have a bad, maybe a bad life after this. You don't wanna, you don't wanna live after what has happened. In comparison, Satan himself is a very powerful foe as well. And oftentimes, we don't take into account that we are wasting a lot of energy when you are trying to go after a person when you need to be targeting Satan himself. The Israelites, they were scared. Satan always seems to have a champion. But as God's promise goes, even though Goliath was decked out, for every Goliath, God has a sling or slingshot. If you will be God's slingshot, if you will be the tool in God's hands, then I urge you to start directing your attacks towards Satan. Otherwise, you may be committing friendly fire. God has a way of dealing with his defective tools. If you imagine your life being a Christian as a tool in a tool set, and as a tool, if you're not working well, if you're defective, and you're not working well with the rest of the tools, God has a way to straighten people like that out. Proverbs 3.11 says, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. He will start to correct you. Our goal is to do the work of God and fight Satan, not each other. So, as part of the steps, the sling's target, now we're going to talk about the sling's emptiness. The sling's emptiness, what do I mean? A sling by itself is a flabby and is very flabby and powerless. It has no meat to itself. And this is the same about a Christian. And here's what I mean. An empty Christian is a weak Christian. Don't get me wrong, Christians have immense amount of power, immense amount of potential waiting to be used, just as a sling does. But when a sling is not filled, it is weak. If you don't know how a sling is used, you have to actually swing it like this, and then you let go. But if there's nothing in that sling, if it's empty, then it's useless. No matter how much you spin it around and try to let go, you're not going to make any impact. So let me change gears just a little bit to make something more relevant to us today. Most of us haven't probably touched a sling before, but we've probably handled gloves. See, the thing about a glove is that it also is really flabby. 
And in fact, if you asked me for a hand and I just gave you a glove, it's a very use, useless tool because unless you fill it, it's practically a useless tool. A glove, they're great tools for protection or even to heat your hands up. But if a glove is empty, it's not a very useful tool. Going back to our sling, what filled the sling? Do you know what filled the sling? It was a rock. The rock is what brought down Goliath. And by the way, did you know that Jesus is also called the rock? So, is Jesus filling your life? The job is done through Christ in us. I said earlier that Goliath was our stand-in for Satan. And if you were to sling, if you were the sling in our story, it would be the rock, which is the Lord Jesus, that would fill you and that would bruise Satan's head. And in the same way God commands us to, get, to be fully given over to him, we are commanded to surrender ourselves to God daily so he could do his works through us. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Before, we, before I read Romans 6, 12, 1 Corinthians 6, 15 says, Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. Romans 6, 12 let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Now verse 13, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Basically it's saying, give yourself to God. So if we will be God's sling, if we will be the tool of God, then we need to yield ourselves empty to the Lord so that he can fill us on a constant basis. So the steps, the sling's target, then the sling's emptiness, and now the sling's patience. The sling's patience. The sling was created for a purpose, and so were you and I. The sling has to wait for its opportunity to be used in a great way, and so do you and I. Chances are David carried his sling with him everywhere he went. He got many opportunities to practice with it, and a few great opportunities to use it when he was defending his flocks. David was a shepherd after all. But his greatest opportunity was about to come. In our story, David's big opportunity finally came, when, but he rejected all of Saul's armor. And he decided that his sling was the right tool for his job, for the job. The sling was the tool of David's choice. And it's important as Christians, if we're going to be a tool for the Lord, that we never think of ourselves as being petty or worthless. 
By definition, a Christian is someone, not someone who has always gone to church. It's not someone who's been baptized. It's not someone who's taken the Lord's table. What is a Christian? A Christian is someone who has repented of their sins and has trusted in the finished work of Christ upon the cross for his salvation. That's what a Christian is by definition. We are now part, if that has taken place in somebody's life, they are now a part of God's almighty family. Of all the people that should understand the idea of personal worth and value, it's a Christian. So you were so valuable to Christ that he gave himself to die for you on the cross. That's how valuable you were. So you may be serving and serving and serving in church, thinking that no one ever notices, when is my opportunity ever going to come? I'll promise you this, as an assistant pastor, I see more and more and more of how valuable people who have kept going and going and going and going and going. But more than me, God sees the value of a Christian who has stayed faithful to a ministry that they've kept doing and doing and doing and doing. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12 and 18, you don't have to turn there, but it says that God has specifically placed you in this church for a reason. And not only that, it's not just for any reason. It pleased him. That reason pleased him. 1 Corinthians 12, 18, it says, But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. David was thankful that he had that sling. Remember, the sling was a tool. And God is thankful that you belong to him as his tool as well. You may be serving for a long time and may not see much fruit either. This is similar to David's preaching, or practicing, I should say, with his sling. But keep being patient and patient, and one day that big opportunity will come. And when that big opportunity does come, you will start showing fruit and then you will glorify God because of it. The opportunity will come, and God will use you for a greater and mightier work. More than once has the faithful and reliable tool come to the rescue of a tradesman. Every professional tradesman will have a very special, will have a bunch of special tools, actually, that he doesn't use every day, though. But he is so thankful for then when he has that reliable tool at the right time. And so you don't have to be fancy or over the top of a type of tool. You just have to be there patiently waiting for the master's use. Just have to be faithful. Faithful and patient. So, the steps. The target, then there's the emptiness, and then there's the patience. And now finally, I'm going to conclude it. As tools in our Lord's toolbox, we have a great value to God. And God knows about you, and he will use you at the right time. You have incredible potential that is waiting to be used. 
but only if the Lord is filling you. Only if the rock is doing the work through you. As long as you keep being pointed at the right target, which is Satan, God can use you in great and mighty ways for his glory. When you start your day tomorrow, I want to challenge you. Your battle against the giant begins. Perhaps you'll be heading out for work or for school, or maybe it's your day off. As you're setting your targeting system, set your targeting system on Satan. Set your targeting system on Satan and remove it from your fellow people. Fill yourself with the mind of Jesus Christ and give yourself over to God. Faithfully do what God has already told you to do. And have confidence that you will one day be called to a greater task. How and why do we do this? Here's the thing. When you head out of your house and you head into the world with no Bible dwelling in your heart, you are more likely to be filled with the worries, the fears, and the irritations, and you're more likely to conform to the world. And when you are more conformed to the world, what ends up happening is God can't fill you anymore. So first thing in the morning you need to do is fill your heart and mind with what God would have you know of him and perhaps yourself from the Bible. If it's repenting that you need to do, repent. Confess your sins and get your heart right with God. Philippians 2.5 says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Romans 12.2, we keep repeating this verse over and over, and you probably heard of it many times. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And average, on average, you're probably going to get about 12 to 18 hours tomorrow, depending on what time you're going to work, go to work today and at what time you're going to wake up tomorrow. You're probably going to get around 12 to 18 hours. And within those 12 to 18 hours tomorrow, will you be found faithful as a tool of Christ? Will you be found faithful as a tool in God's toolbox? That time exists so that God could do something great through you. But remember, for every Goliath that you will be facing tomorrow, God has a sling. That's you. So it's up to you. And just as David's sling finally made an impact on Goliath's giant forehead, let's pray that all of us as Christians throughout this week make an impact on this world. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.